Hey, welcome to another version of Monday Night Therapy that's actually on Monday night this time. That's kind of different. We haven't been on Monday yeah, night first for a time, while. I was going to think, when was the last and time we, you and I were together on a Monday night? That's been a while, too. So. Probably, probably before Christmas. Hey, Linda Wilkins is here. Good evening, John and Todd. Good evening, Linda. Good to, good to have you. Uh, yeah, Paul Dalen is here. He says, hello, CN. Uh, but what's going on, Todd? We're both well prepared for this, I know. Either Todd froze or okay. So I know that I I am uh, I am uh, well prepared for this, and we're just gonna start. <laughs> we're just gonna start talking about well, hell, start asking questions if you're in the chat or you're watching. Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure that I'm just stuck with a dead frozen Todd, a wax figure of Todd. And um, there you go. All right. I don't know if many of you watched it last Friday night, but the Polynesian Bowl was on, and Dylan Raiola and Carter Nelson, and I'm already forgetting the name of our lineman that we got. Uh, Tuama, I think it is, something like that. Those three players were present in the Polynesian Bowl, and the Polynesian Bowl was, well, it was kind of ugly. I think they finished with like 38 turnovers. Okay, it wasn't 38 turnovers. You're back with us. You froze for a very long time. I was good to go, and then, you know. (laughs) And then all the excitement happened. But the Polynesian Bowl was uh, it was turnover prone and it was kind of an ugly game to watch. But I mean, we did get to see a little bit of tur- uh, Dylan Royal, and I guess the comment I would have uh, on him is he just he just snap of the wrist and the ball flies. It just you know I mean for me to throw bo- football like fifth okay for me as sixty one and a beat up body to throw a football, I I'm not gonna bother with that. But even when I was like eighteen, I was fairly strong, and uh, you know to throw a football, I mean, yeah, you know he just flicks his wrist and it's flying down the field, and uh, it's it's and he had a nice touch pass to Carter Nelson, and he had another pass that was kind of an RPO where he held the ball. He looked like Josh Allen. That's what he looked like. Which you know, I did. Did you watch the NFL playoffs, Todd? Oh yeah, I sure did. They were good. I'm, games. I'm becoming once again. I'm becoming an NFL fan. I took about thirty years off. Did you? Well, I think the quarterback play is better than ever. Uh, Green Bay lost. That would, um, you know, that that it didn't make me that sad because they started out the year really god awful to watch and they finished the year pretty well and you know it was sad for me as a packers fan that they lost to the 49ers once again what it looked like they might have it in the bag and then uh you know I watched the bills and the in the come on chiefs yeah chefs the chefs the bills and the chefs and i wanted the bills to win just because I just, you know, Josh Allen, I think the Josh Allen story is a great story. You know, nobody offered him many uh, scholarships out of high school. He went to Wyoming and became, you know, and even when he got drafted in the NFL, people was like, whatever, Josh Allen. And now he's he's really fun to watch. I think that's the key with him. And then, uh, yeah, Paul Dallin says 78 yards. 
He threw the ball effortlessly, 78 yards. Oh, my fucking God. He's talking about Dylan Rayle and not uh, Josh Allen. Uh, but I think that, you know, it was sad to watch the Bills. You know, it was sad to watch the Bills lose. You know what wasn't sad, though, Todd? What wasn't sad, John? Tell wasn't me. Sad. What wasn't sad was Jason Kelsey not wearing really many clothes, looking like he's having a happy retirement around Taylor Swift. And I know people are like, oh, they still show her too much. But I mean, you know what? If they could keep her in the little glass area with a shirtless screaming Jason Kelsey who jumps out in the crowd, I'm I'm okay with that kind of content for the NFL. Well, you to know? me, the highlight, I mean, I loved watching that game. That was a good game. Unfortunately for the Bills, you know, a missed field goal. Um, but boy, you know, to watch Patrick Mahomes play and to, you know, well, I'll talk about two or three things there. But um, my favorite part of the game was when they cut to Jason Kelsey there. And when um, the announcer said, that's Jason Kelsey, you know, it's kind of like. <laughs> <laughs> Big hairy chested guy they figured was just some crazy Buffalo Bill fan, you know, slamming beer, and it was Jason Kelsey. So that that was awesome. Um, what I really like the most about that game, and what I'm starting to like more about NFL football, is running the ball between the tackles. And last night in the first half, the Bills had tremendous success. They were just you know, they were just blowing the Chiefs off the ball and they were just pounding it at them. Now they didn't they didn't sustain that in the second half, but you know that Pacheco kid from the Chiefs, he runs the yeah. ball well. Yeah. The Lions run the ball well with that Gibbs and, and Montgomery. Um, you know, I'm just I'm just liking NFL football right now. And um uh, you know, the Lions and the Niners next week, I think that's going to be a great matchup. Yeah. Uh, with what I have seen, though, I I think, you know, name the score with uh, the Ravens. I mean, the Ravens just look absolutely incredible. Um, so, yeah, NFL football has got me excited. Caden Vermas says, is it possible for John Johnston to say hi? Hi! hi. I've watched these vids for a while now. Wait a minute. Let me try it again. He says, is it possible for John Johnson to say, hi, I've watched these vids for a while now. Is this the Caden Vermoss that is actually a recruit to Nebraska? Yes, it is, John. If you've been reading what? the comments, you'd recognize he's committed for 2025. That just, you know what? Okay, first of all, cool. i glad you're here. Secondly, hearing the, commit, the idea that somebody is committed to 2025 – I saw that earlier today and it freaked me completely out. Okay. Because I can remember when we were in college in 1980, Todd, in my freshman year at University of Nebraska and thinking 2025, the earth is not even going to be around then. That's not, that's so far in the future. Who could even think about that? And here it is. My God. In the year uh, 25, 25. Yeah, that's that exactly. That's the kind of <laughs> stuff that uh that's the kind of stuff that's going on. By the way, there was a there was a fumble into the end zone and out of the end zone for a touchback. I did do a video on the history channel I have going on that. Uh 
I'm probably going to stick with live videos and just Nebraska content here and do more widespread college football content on the history channel. I got going. Uh, the other thing is, is I do have a, I do have an annual polar plunge coming up this Saturday. Uh, if you want to donate, I should have, I should have had the, the URL thing. I'll put it in the show notes. I'll put it in the article. I'll look it up before we're done. But uh, it's it's freaking 27 degrees right now. I'm looking at my Apple Watch. It's 27 degrees. That's like a heat wave, man. I mean, I'm not going to say that I I really – I don't like like 35-degree weather in winter. I would prefer it's around 5 to 8 degrees. If we're going to have winter, it should be just be 5 to 8 degrees right in that range. Not go up to this 30 stuff where it gets all sloppy and crappy all over the place. And, you know, there you go. And But I don't know what we're going to do. I'm guessing we're going to run uh, run into the water from the beach. Uh, we got a note from the people that put on the plunge today, and it said, we've been putting on plunges for years and years. We've dealt with all sorts of things and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, okay. Is a little bit concerned about your upcoming plunge, John Husker Chuck says, "Polar plunge. How high will the nads go, John?" They disappear. They the moment they it's like they have their own vision. They see the water coming when you're jumping into it from a, you know, and they see the they just go right up. They disappear. They literally teleport out of your body to someplace else for a while, and then they come back like many hours later, like spring. David just as soon, as soon as we go down that road, then David Matney, he's wanting us to straighten up here a little bit. Hey, John, let's not have Caden decommit as a result of the live stream. We should be on our best behavior. This, well, this is dead. <laughs> if Caden has been paying it, he, it, it appears Caden's been watching us uh, a little bit, so he knows what he's getting into. And you know what? What does it matter? We're we're hardcore Nebraska fans. We're all in it for the boys, and um, you know I'll tell you what. I'm so excited about what Matt Rule's been doing. He had 30 recruits in, 30 wow. juniors in this last weekend. Um, I'll tell you what. The effort that this coaching staff, this whole staff, is putting forward uh, with this program. Um, is has just been outstanding and very very excited about that. Uh, you know, class started today for um, at, at at UNL. I didn't hear anything about people not showing up that were expected to be there. So I think we're in a good shape. So we still have like seven hundred and forty two guys on the roster. Yeah, we do. We do. Hey, have we checked Hustress.com? Have we checked Hustress? Oh, for God's sake. Have we checked Hustress.com to. Why is this so difficult? Actually, take a look at the roster. The roster to see if it's been upgraded, updated. I have. I, have I, not I just looked, know that. That's I, it. <laughs> I did hear something today. I did hear something today that we may never really know who's on scholarship and who's on nil money. And, uh, you know, I don't know that they, they they probably have to disclose that to someone. But, um, yeah. I'm looking. I'm looking. Keep talking about something. Well, you know what you can you talk know, about, Todd? 
Yeah, well, Fred and I agreed for the first time tonight, which is a good thing. And Fred and I are usually on the same page. So Fred says the level of effort and attention to detail by the staff, uh, have to say, is awesome. Um, you know what you can talk about, Todd? No, I, I got a good one here, John. Oh, okay, you got a good one. Husker Chuck says, John, if Huskers is too hard to say, we can change the name of the team. It's just... Yes. It's just sometimes this stuff is, uh, I don't know, it gets lost between my brain and my mouth. <laughs> it's been exacerbated by the brain injury, but it's always been this way. Todd can tell you that when I was younger, many things got stuck, got lost between my brain and my mouth. So uh, <laughs> the only thing difference between John version 2.0 and John version 1.0 is he doesn't drink alcohol anymore. There are no other differences. <laughs> that's that's pretty much true. Well, Grant Bricks is on here. I was I wanted to sort this thing. Okay, I'll just forget it. Hey, wrestling. Yeah. We beat uh, we beat Minnesota in a duel. We won our first big beat Minnesota duel. in a duel. Beat uh, Purdue watched, in a duel. I watched I flipped back and forth between that and the Polynesian Bowl. Uh, one more thing about the Polynesian Bowl. I did watch the halftime show and I thought, you know, that's better than most a lot of the Super Bowl halftime shows that I've seen. I mean, it was, you know, it was kind of cool. Uh but wrestling, I you know, I watched some wrestling. Peyton Rob lost for the first time this year, right? No, no. Peyton Rob's dropped Maybe? three in a row. Oh, he has? That's right. Okay. So tell us about wrestling a little bit. Well, they beat they beat Minnesota, and it came down to the heavyweight match, and it was Harley Andrews, the uh, freshman from Oklahoma, that got a big takedown uh, towards the end of the match to, to win it and secure it. And uh, Nebraska came up uh, with the win against Minnesota. Minnesota's a, a better team this year than they've been in the last three or four years. Minnesota was a powerhouse. When Jay Robinson was the coach there, they were winning national championships and they've been down a little bit, but they're on the way back up. Um, but, uh, you know, Nebraska coach, uh, coach Manning pulled a few guys out of the lineup, uh, wrestled a few different guys uh, against Minnesota, but overall it was a nice win. It was great to see Harley Andrews uh, at heavyweight, you know, have a, have a really good, meaningful win. Then against Purdue, it was pretty close for a while, but, uh, uh, you know, again, we talked about, um, you know, the, the better wrestlers, uh, you know, Ridge Lovett is, he's, he's the top wrestler on the team right now. He's the number one ranked 149 pounder. He hasn't been beaten and, and he's just, he's looking really, really good. Um, but you know, John has mentioned Peyton Rob and Peyton Rob is in a funk right now. And the mental part of wrestling is 10 times harder, uh, maybe even more than that, than the physical part of the sport. Um, Peyton Robb was in a tough match against a true freshman from Purdue, and uh, he was down on the mat, and he tried to roll to a, you know, for a reverse, or he, right. he tried to roll from a reversal, and, and he got put on his back and, and pinned. Um, so uh, he's really going through a tough stretch. What I want to really talk about with wrestling is – Nat Hush, Nash Hutmacher wrestled his third match. I, I, it still amazes me, and I know that a lot of people are all goo goo gaga about the polar bear wrestling, but 
I am still amazed at how athletic he is. Um, you know, he, he, he won, I think, four or five to nothing. Can't remember the score. Beat a decent kid from Purdue. Went the full match. But even in the last minute of the match, he's, I mean, he's always moving forward. He's attacking. He's going after yeah. takedowns. What scares me is he gets out of position, and the better guys are going to catch him. And, and, you know, he could get flipped and put on his back. But I cannot believe how well that kid moves on his feet and how well and how agile he is down on the mat. I mean, you know, he's 285 pounds, and he moves around like a guy who he weighs. Moves, he moves like Gable Stevenson. He moves better than Gable Stevenson. I mean, he he's not the wrestler Gable Stevenson. and, and right. But – he moves like a guy who weighs 165 pounds. Yeah, he it, did. That was he's very I... flexible. He's very agile. And that just shocks me. I, I mean, I, I don't think I've seen a heavyweight that big who has the agility, the balance, the flexibility, and the strength that that kid has. I mean, it, it just blows me away. I was skeptical. No, so, so this is this is where you talk about why younger people should be multi-sport athletes. There's no question, and you know we all you know have taken our turn, and we we get great pleasure out of bashing Captain Kirk over in Hawkeye Land. But you know, Ference, his sons all wrestled in high school, and uh, they didn't. That was just what they did, and. There have been different periods of time when Iowa's had their best offensive lines that four or all five of the interior linemen were high school wrestlers. There, being a multi-sport athlete pays dividends, especially if you're one of those guys in the trenches. Wrestling promotes balance. You, you fight with your hands. You learn how to use leverage. You know, there's nothing like it. And, you know, there's people that play more than one sport are less likely to get injured, you know, because those one sporters overuse and that kind of stuff. Um, most of your college coaches are going to say they want to recruit players. It doesn't matter what the sport is. They want to recruit athletes that play more than one sport. So speaking of go. more than one sport, Todd, the men's basketball team beat Northwestern at home. And, it, you know, they broke their losing streak of road, the two-game road losing streak. Uh, it was a tight game. But do you know where Nebraska's basketball team is in the Big Ten standings? Of course I do. Of course. What? Where are they, Todd? Well, they're tied for fifth, John. Everybody knows it. I mean – Hardcore basketball fans like moi, who has actually watched one full men's basketball game this year and one full women's game, and it's not even tournament time. I've watched two full basketball games this year. So I know that the men, and I know that because you looked and told me before we came on air. <laughs> well, you didn't have to say that part. You were impressing people right up until then. But they are. They're tied for fifth. Uh, they have a record of they have a 500 record. Uh, they are 12 and one at home and one and four on the road. 
they kind of need to figure out the road thing if they're going to get into any kind of postseason tournaments. Listen, I said this before, on Thursday night. I'm going to say it again until people get it. There is not a single team. Wait, there's one team in the Big Ten, one team with a winning road record, and that is Purdue at 3-2. and two. But Wisconsin leads the conference at six and one. Purdue at six and two. Nebraska is at four and four. Uh, and it's it's you know it's kind of globby the Big Ten. I think we saw some projections that you know they're projected for an NCAA tournament bid. But the it, I think the Big Ten's going to end up where most of the teams. We're not going to have a lot of teams over 500 this year. You know, you're not going to have that top-heavy stuff where Michigan State is and Purdue are kicking everybody's ass. So, you know, Danny Nee was back for the Northwestern game. Uh, I'm glad it was a win, just because I, I, you know, I just want men's basketball to do well. I don't pay that close attention to women's basketball. We have other people, Jaden and uh, Jill, that are covering that. But Nebraska's women's basketball is at five and three. Uh, they are fourth. Well, they are fourth. They're not tied for fourth. They're fourth in the Big Ten Conference right now. And speaking of women's basketball, Todd, uh, Iowa, Ohio State upset Iowa uh, at Iowa, Ohio State. And Ohio State rushed the floor. And I don't know if everybody saw this or not, but Caitlin Clark ran into a fan who was running onto the floor. And I didn't upload any videos or anything, but they, her running into the flare, she runs into or she runs into the student who's rushing the floor, and she kind of looks like and she falls down. And there have been so many people with so many different angles from cell phones on Twitter analyzing this that are just just going after Caitlin Clark for flopping when well, this girl ran into her. And I haven't seen. I haven't seen all the angles, but one, there's no way Caitlin Clark didn't see her. No way. Now, could she have could she have avoided her? Probably not. But you know, the girl was running out there with her phone, you know, looking at her phone. So she's not paying any attention. But you know, that's what Caitlin Clark is. She is a flopper, and it is so instinctive that. Even during a floor storming, when she senses any contact, her arms go up in the air and she flops. I think, here's what I think needs to happen. I think the children of the Big Ten need to start you know, producing Caitlin videos like back during the, remember the World Cup a couple World Cups ago when everybody was doing the Neymar? You, do you remember that? No, not right now. Little soccer players from all over the world are doing these videos like Neymar, who was the big player from Brazil. He's a noted flopper, notorious flopper. They're all doing the Neymar. I think we need little girls in Big Ten country to start producing little videos of doing the Caitlin. Let's do the Caitlin. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, you know, you couldn't take the perspective that we're a whole sad society looking at a 22-year-old young woman and 
and uh, making fun of her. But th- you could also take the perspective that this is how we treat anybody else. So welcome to equality. And secondly, now you're getting paid. We can do this and not feel bad about it at all. Okay. What else we got going on? Well, you know, here's, um, you know, don't ever underestimate Linda. Linda says, Linda Wilkins says, I agree, Todd. I tell my husband husband all the time, don't get out of position or you could end up on your back. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Linda, Linda lets us in on a little secret. Um, Fred Sacco says Brian Ferentz got into a wrestling match with his clothes one night and last lost a unanimous decision. <laughs> they well, I, I tell you what, actually, they- actually, I, I got to watch Brian wrestle in high school and Brian was a good wrestler. Uh, he was, he was a real good wrestler. Um, I can't remember the other brother's name. The other brother was probably better, but, um, both of them were pretty, pretty good guys. And, at the state wrestling tournament, Captain Kirk, he was just like any other dad, you know, just trying to chill uh, after after the anxiety of watching your kid wrestle. So, um, sure. So, wait a minute. Uh, Justin Roggy asks, so what about rule hiring Anthony Crispino, who was TCU general manager? Have you heard anything more than what's out there? Have you heard I've not anything? heard anything more than that, but I think it's just adding to the infrastructure of the organization. I, I don't know. I don't know much. I think I think the thing is, is people last week were concerned that you know some guys left. Yeah. You know, some analysts left, and people are like, "Whoa!" You know, anytime you do that, and people are like, "Ooh, what's going on? Is there a problem?" Well, yeah, there's a problem. The problem is, is that when Matt Rule came in to get hired, he had to hire a whole shitload of people in a very short time frame. So not all of them are going to work out. And we're all a lot mobile, more mobile in the workforce these days. Uh, <clears throat> let's see. Anthony Chris, he, he Sonny Dykes is at TCU. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, is it Sonny? Yeah. 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 He was at SMU. Um <laughs> I know a kid that played for him at SMU for Sonny Dykes, not Anthony. Well, maybe he knows that. Maybe I'll hit him up and see uh, what he knows about this guy. Yeah, he did. Okay, Crispino worked for with Sonny Dykes at SMU, so this guy I know should know this guy. Huh, maybe we'll get some more poop on that. I'm going to put this one up here because another couple people mentioned it as well. Paul Dalen says Clark is the best basketball player in the country, men's and women's. She doesn't flop any more than anyone else. Well, um, come on, Paul. Come on. I I think she flops a lot. Um, But then uh, Clay Caselder comes in and says Clark's the best girl baller I've seen ever. You know, she is good. I mean, there there is absolutely no question yeah. she's good. And the fact that she pulls up from, you know, the mascot and fires a shot up there just like, you know, she's goofing around in the driveway. I mean, holy smoke. She, she is amazing. She's amazing. She is, but she's not our player. So therefore, we get to abuse and make fun of and hope that she fails miserably. Because <laughs> well, that's how it is you know, with sports. Husker Chuck pops in and says she flops more than Adam Sandler. Oh, <laughs> wow. That's a shot. 
<laughs> All right. What what else do we have in the notes, Todd? Well, we're talking a little bit. At, um, I think we'll shift a little bit and talk hair care. Uh, Fred Sacco comes up with, uh, I think, them SMU oil men produce the petroleum hair products John uses to keep his mane looking supple and vibrant. Um, yeah, my, my secret is out. Everything comes from the research labs at SMU due to oil men. <laughs> <laughs> them oil men and the old Pony you know, Express. It is January 22nd. And in February, I, you know, every year I want to go spend some time in Dallas in February because February is the most miserable month of the year in Minnesota. But uh, I, again, it doesn't look like this is going to happen this year. You mentioned something about going somewhere in February. South Carolina. Yeah. What for? Yeah. To watch Nebraska play Coastal Carolina, not Coastal. University of Charleston. In baseball. Yeah. In baseball. Because, yeah. Because baseball season is soon to be uh, in Among Us. Among I, Us. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> Nebraska opens in the Dallas area. Oh, do they? I haven't looked two weeks, yet. Two weeks ahead of uh, being out in South Carolina. Clay Castleder says, gentlemen, we need an entire night stacking our O-line and D-line up to the rest of the Big Ten next year. You know, that's the reason why I was going to look at the uh, the roster to see if it's fully updated yet, because I thought that, you know, for us at Coronation, that it's time to start laying out the position groups. And I, I don't do this. We don't we do this stuff. Probably ever, there's other sites that have done this already, but we don't do this stuff until, you know, you get on campus, you get accepted into school, you don't commit a crime that keeps you off the football team. And then, you know, we have a long time to go even for spring football. So, you know, we'll, we'll be looking at position groups coming up. Uh, I think Todd and I are working on getting some guests on so we don't have to just talk to each other all the time. But these things will be coming up. May put that in the notes, Todd. The whole offensive line thing and defensive line thing. The whole offensive line and defensive line thing. I got it. <laughs> okay. Fred says, uh, at Clay, I don't know. That would make John do show. That's fine. Okay. Yeah, the thing is, is before this, right before this, I was literally breeding newspapers from 1895 and 1899. I know that sounds kind of weird, but that's what I was doing because I recently put out the a video about how hair was the first football helmet. And now I'm working on another bit about uh, the first like mouthpieces. And it's when you look at, when you look at, like if you go out on the internet and you even Wikipedia, which is the bastion of uh, clear cut research knowledge, uh, you go out to Wikipedia and look up what was the first mouthpiece. They'll talk about like boxers in 1920. That would mean that football players somehow went from 1869 to 1920. Was that a span of like 30 years, 40 years without having anything to protect their teeth? And I I find that unbelievable because. You know, I, I played high school football. I wasn't very good at it, but, you know, you get hit in the face a lot. I don't know if you knew that, but it, I, if you don't have something to protect your teeth, you're not going to have them. 
you know? Well, I think that that was just kind of the way it was. I don't, I don't know. That just, that just seems too much to me. You know what I mean? I mean, because it's, it's, listen. Okay. I won't go there. I was going to, well, I will, you know, part of my chief for the chip because a friend of ours tackled me into a wall when we were in college and, you know, playing football, if you don't have the mouth guard or some kind of thing to protect your teeth, there's two things going to happen. You're going to break them or you're going to get some kind of head injury. And they certainly got a lot of head injuries in those days, but they had to have something that was the, uh, you know, a mouthpiece or a rubber something. So that's what I'm looking for is evidence on that. And I, I have stopped, I have started, uh, you know, I've started finding information about how they did wear rubber uh, things in their mouth and stuff like that for to protect their mouths. Well, that Linda was, Wilkins says that's that was probably not that interesting. They, they were, yeah, that's true. They were a little bit nuts, you know. I mean, and you know, <laughs> did you ever watch? I can't remember what the name of the movie was, but it was out about three or four years ago. It was about World War One, where they took actual footage of uh, English soldiers. And they they colorized it, and then they um, turned it into a film. Yeah, it was we will always be young or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're I haven't right. watched that. It was excellent. And what stands out to me was how bad their teeth were. Their teeth were horrible. Right. You know, people weren't paying for dental care back in the early twentieth century. It was what it was. And so, you know, if you got a few of them knocked out, well, that's just that's just the way it goes. Okay, yeah, right, Vince Watson. Vince Watson says John reliving his childhood, re reading the papers from the day. <laughs> well, yeah, and what's your point, Vince? Oh. <sighs> This is likely. This actually, this actually, this actually would have happened when I was a kid. Uh, Fred Sacco says John used to sell newspapers on the corner. Extra, extra, read all about it, shit ass. That 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 is, uh, you know, I did have a paper route when I was a kid in Curtis, Nebraska. So that, that's that, not too far from the. Truth. I had a paper route too. I loved my paper route. Uh, Nick Breyer says, but do you notice players have mouthpieces hooked to their helmet, but do not put them in their mouth? I thought that was a penalty. Not in the NFL. And Is it? No. And it's, uh, there's, there was an article last week about how the whole mouthpiece thing has been kind of a fashion statement. There's some players that have two of them hooked to their mouth or hooked to their face mask. Why? why? I, I don't know. It's a thing. Have but, you seen the ones that are painted like vampire teeth? Yeah. You know, you've yeah. got those, those, those pacifier mouthpieces. I mean, I, you know, I would think they're kind of cool. If I, if I was a guy playing football now, that's, that's what I would do. I'd have something. I'd paint it like alternate black. So that I look like a guy from West Virginia or something. Uh. Okay, Todd, we're 36 minutes in, and we didn't do show prep for this. So we still have a ways to go. <laughs> yeah. I figured we got plenty to talk about. Okay, what's next? What's next? 
Yeah. Well, you know, what I was wondering is if uh, Dylan Raiola, Raiola, if Dylan yeah. Raiola is what everybody thinks he is, what's the ceiling for Nebraska football in year one? And assuming he is what everybody thinks he is, how many years does he stay at Nebraska? Well, put it this way. <clears throat> Let's start with the second part first. I would think, I mean, you're looking at a kid that chose to go to Nebraska, even though he could attend it. He could have gone to any other university in the nation to play football because, I mean, he was that sought after, right? But he chose to come to Nebraska because apparently the strong legacy, the strong family ties, those kinds of things. Now, after being here two years, maybe he'll get sick of us. <laughs> you know, I would expect him to stay three years. Uh, I would think, you know, uh, I would, I, if he's everything we think he is, I couldn't imagine him staying four or redshirting because, uh, I mean, the NFL's, have you, the quarterbacks in the NFL, they need quarterbacks in the NFL. They, you know, there's 32 teams, and there's probably only eight to 10 maybe good quarterbacks in the NFL. So, I mean, these are the most sought-after people on the planet Earth. They get paid good jillions of dollars the moment they step out of college, even if they're not that good just on the basis of, oh, they might be good enough for us to have a quarterback. So... I agree with Paul here. He's I'm gonna overwrite. Get ready for yours. Uh, I'm, he says uh, leaves after his junior year if he's healthy. I agree with that. That's exactly what I agree with. You can go back to your other one. What was that? No, that's uh, Husker Chuck had said he thought they'd be ten and two and would be the ceiling. Ceiling would be ten and two and he'd stay for three years. Um, I uh, one of the uh, more prominent Nebraska sports writers said that uh, he thinks it's almost a done deal right now that younger brother Dayton will be at Nebraska. And uh, so Dylan, he's going to have to get out to make room for his younger brother. Oh, my God. There's so I can't imagine how much pressure that's that, – you know, on the other hand, everything you hear about him is that they carry that weight well, they carry everything well, but they haven't played it down yet for Nebraska, so – you know, God help them if they're not the answer to our prayers, you know. Fred Sacco says, to be honest, I'll just be happy if Riola does two things. Doesn't throw to wide open linebackers and actually stays here and doesn't transfer if the mood hits. Uh, yeah, I I concur with you there, Fred. Um, Linda, you know, I also I think you and I are on the same page with this with this situation with Mr. Riola. Uh, Linda Wilkins says he cannot carry the team by himself if he does not have the supporting staff. They're supporting, yeah, the supporting staff. He will, he will not be that successful. And um, I, well, they, I, they brought in 368 guys. I mean, they got to have something there, right? <laughs> they so, might not even know, be done. Go ahead. Joel Tilson asked the question, will Alabama stay successful with uh, their new coach? Uh, is it Kalen DeBoer? Um, do I have yeah. the first name right? Yeah. Uh, coming from Washington. What do you think? 
How is he going to be able to keep Alabama winning? Is he going to, you know, the, the, the worst job is following a legend. Yeah. I, I think the problem is, is not that he keeps Alabama winning. It's that he keeps Alabama winning at the level that Nick Saban does. And, you know, I, I think we learned our, listen, Tom Osborne was a legendary coach. Okay. Just his whole career, all of the things he accomplished, all of the things he did, he was a legendary coach. Finding a replacement for that guy, you have to go find another legendary coach. And they don't just, you know, it's not like you can just go to a high-priced coach store and buy them off the shelf. You have to kind of, you know, not only find the guys that are capable of doing that, you have to have the organization built around them. And I guess what I'm trying to say is this. Like Ohio State, I brought this up. They think, well, we're going to be good no matter who the coach is. Well, then go put a, you know, hire a penguin and see what happens. But <laughs> I'm not doing a very good job of explaining this, but you can't legendary, legendary people, people who are the best at their position, they're just not replaceable because of all the things they're capable of doing. All of the people that, and it's not their technical skills most of the time. Uh, I can't, is it Daniel Goldman who wrote emotional intelligence? Yeah, I think that's right. Okay. That's probably for me. When I look at this, you look at like, let's, we know Tom Osborne, everybody's read stuff about him. I think we know two things about him is number one. He was an offensive genius in terms of just putting a play structure together and, and having his players execute that. But the other thing he was, was a, a genius in terms of motivating his players and understanding who his players were. And I think you can have the technical side of that in a lot of coaches. And what you don't have is just a lot of coaches that don't have the emotional intelligence to do that. Uh, you know, I think the, I think one key factor that I always look at when I look at coaches is, do they treat everyone the same? In other words, do they let their star players get away with stuff and that they don't let their not star players get away with? Because, you know, in college, maybe in the pros, you can get away with that crap because people are getting paid and they realize it's just a job. But at the college level, that is so important that, well, and you know, and think about how in your jobs, if you've gone through, you know, work experiences where, you know, your manager favored a person. I certainly, as a consultant, worked in a lot of companies where people did that, and everybody else was miserable. And you can't be at a high-performing level enough to win championships if you're going to do that kind of stuff. So this is a long-winded answer to Kalen well, DeBoer going to be successful. <laughs> I, you know, I think Kalen DeBoer has a chance to be successful at, at Alabama, um, but what it will come down to is with a lot of those kinds of fan bases, and Nebraska's the same kind of fan base as Alabama. Um, will the Alabama fan base allow him to be successful? I yeah. think that that plays into it as well. I'm just, I, I think it's a positive. They went outside, you know, the Alabama yeah. family, yeah. if you will. Um, I, I, I think that was good. Um, but I think, you know, the next interesting thing uh, as far as on the coaching front is what's going to end up happening with uh, Jim Harbaugh. I mean, yeah. you know, Jim Harbaugh, he's he's loving life right now. And, uh, you know, he's at watching his brother's team play in a playoff game and and uh, he's chilling. And apparently 
um, there's some information coming out of Minnesota that it's it, not Minnesota, Michigan, pardon me. Um, but, you know, the issue of a contract, should he stay at Minnesota or at Michigan? And what's going to go into that contract? Michigan's got to be pretty sick and tired of him flirting with the NFL every year. Michigan's got to be pretty tired of him skirting the rules and bringing <laughs> negative attention upon him. So, you know, but then he can look at Michigan and say, hey, I won you a natty. So yeah. I'm real curious what's going to end up. I think he's had a – or he's scheduled to have a second interview with uh, the San Diego Chargers. He my has. Opinion, he has had it. My opinion is that's a perfect fit for him. Put him out there. Not San Diego. Gee, many Christmas. Los Angeles Chargers. Put him out there in Southern California. And uh, he'll feel right at home with all the other eccentric people, you know, that live in that part of the world. And, you know, I, I tell you what, he shows up with the Chargers. I think that uh, playoffs in two years. Playoffs in two years. Tiger Shark Diver says, I built a treehouse with Jim Harbaugh last week. I don't know why that makes me laugh so much, but it, you know, it just doesn't seem that far out of possibilities. You know, yeah. I think the key with Jim Harbaugh at Michigan is he wants a contract where he's not held responsible for anything. In other words, they basically yeah. take the uh, four cause contract out of his contract, four cause wording out of him, so that he, he gets fired because he violated all sorts of rules or he has problems. They can't just go, well, we no longer owe you a hundred million dollars or whatever it is. Which is, uh, it's, I don't know, it's nuts. Uh, and then we go. Fred, here's Fred Sacco with the follow up. Uh, Tiger Shark, did Harbaugh steal the plants from someone else? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <sighs> okay. What's next, Todd? Well, I was wondering about this too. And then, you know, we'll uh, get some input from the people that are following along with us here tonight. Um, you know, I'm always curious what their perspective is on things. So we were having a little spat in Slack today, not really a spat, but, um, you know, uh, a comment was made about Joe Gans. Joe Gans is, uh, hooked on with, now I've even forgot. He's hooked on with somebody as a tight end coach. Um, you know, Middle former Tennessee Nebraska State. quarterback. Who? I think it was Middle Tennessee State, wasn't it? I can't remember. Um, yeah, Middle Tennessee. Middle Tennessee. So let's let's we'll put it this way. Who is who are the top three Nebraska quarterbacks of the 21st century? And you can't say Eric Crouch. Eric Crouch was the quarterback at Nebraska, I think in 2020, 2021, maybe 20 or 20, 2001 and 2002, I think. He was 2000, 2001, 2002. So, I mean, you know, he's a Heisman Trophy winner. And in most Nebraska fans' eyes, that makes him the greatest. So eliminate Eric Crouch. Who were the top three Nebraska quarterbacks of the 21st century thus far. We're almost a quarter of our way in. 
Oh my God! Stop saying that, will you? I just what the hell? Who do you think the best quarterback of the last twenty three odd years? Wait, wait, wait a minute. Let's give them a list. We had the list here. Uh, okay. You've got. You've got. Uh, this is not a, any in any sort of any order. particular order. <laughs> what did you, Zach Taylor? Joe Gans, Tommy Armstrong, Adrian Martinez, Taylor Martinez. You got two Martinez's. Jamal Lord was after Eric Crouch. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Joe Daly, Casey Thompson, Chubba Purdy, Zach Lee. Did I mention him twice? Sam Keller, Jeff Sims. Should I write those all out in a comment? You can throw in Ron Kellogg. Ron Ron Kellogg Kellogg. was a quarterback then. And – you know, th- those are just quarterbacks who's who's uh, um, Cody Green. Cody Green. Cody their their Green. careers basically are over. I mean, I I don't know that you you can't pass judgment on Henry Carberg. He's still got uh, right. Oh, Harrison Beck. Well, I'd well, forgotten I- all of. Them. I think uh, I think. Paul Dalen says Joe Gans, Zach Taylor, and Jamal Lord. I think that's that's, that's a pretty good set. Pretty that's good an interesting, set. That is an interesting. Linda uh, throws out Tommy F. I hope. Did you mean Tommy Armstrong? Because Tommy Frazier is the greatest Nebraska quarterback of all yeah. time, but he's not in the twenty first century. Yeah, you're putting you're putting two new two oh, old quarterbacks in there. She, she broadened her perspective. Quarterbacking was a lot better at Nebraska in the seventies, eighties, and nineties. Clay uh, Caselder comes in. Taylor Martinez, Zach Taylor, Joe Gans. We got some Taylor Martinez fans. Ooh, I, I get that one with the. Justin Roggy says Zach Taylor, Taylor Martinez, Joe Gans, Adrian Martinez. You throw one up there that you got. Uh, there, there, there's this guy Dana Williams that says Jamal Lord had the heart of a lion. I really like Jamal Lord. He I was, like I Jamal love- Lord too. He he's think- for whatever reason he's been easy to forget though. Yeah, you know. I'm going to agree with Joel Tilson. It says Zach Taylor was the best passer. I think. I I think I would put Zach Taylor ahead of Joe Gans. I might put him after Taylor Martinez, though. You, you so you do you like Joe? Do you like Taylor Martinez as the top one, John? You know, I think so. I think so. I think he was just he was prolific. He his problem was he didn't live up to our uh, he didn't answer our prayers. Well, none of them did, but we had, you know, Martinez came out and had that freshman year and it's like, oh, he's a Heisman contender. And then, you know, he didn't really reach those heights again. And I don't think that was all his, well, none of it's all their fault, but, you know, I don't think that was necessarily his fault because of the team that was around him wasn't as great as the teams that were before, but, um, well, you know, the, the thing, the thing about, Taylor Martinez is those injuries that he had in the last couple of years yeah. were really detrimental to him. And, you know, gosh, he was exciting. 
he was excited. You know, Adrian was really exciting his freshman year too, but Adrian was asked to carry the load and, you know, Taylor Martinez had running backs. He had people he could give the ball to. True. Uh, Anonymous says Zach Taylor is an NFL coach and Joe Cans is an assistant on a Sunbelt team. Would you have thought there'd be that much of a difference in their coaching careers? Well, you know, we'll see where they get to. I mean, NFL coach, there's not very many of them, and that's certainly an elite club. But, uh, you know, I being a tight ends coach at a – are they Division One? I? I think Middle, Middle Tennessee is – Yeah, they are. I think – yeah, they are the Sunbelt. They're Division One. FBS. So, uh, you know, but let's, we'll see what happens with Joe Gann's career. Maybe this is something he just uh, decided to get involved in. James Boardman, James Zach Borden Taylor. Zach Taylor was the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year. True. Yeah, there you go. And, and you know, man, think about that. He, he was he, – he's the last great offensive player Nebraska has had, if you look at it in terms of accolades. Right. Damn. Really? Well, I don't. That's one way of looking at it. It is one way. It was one very sad way of looking at it. God, I hope these guys can get us out of this funk. Husker Chuck says Tommy Armstrong had that 23 point comeback versus <laughs> Miami. <laughs> then did his overtime thing. <laughs> Tommy, Tommy was. <laughs> Uh, that's who, I don't know if it was just you, John, or if other people refer, referred to it. You know, with Tommy Armstrong and his YOLO passes. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you he was. He just like, ah! Hey, did you know yeah. that um, that uh, Wester Camp was his roommate? <laughs> I'd forgotten all about it. <laughs> Oh, is there any is there any other news that we need to bring up? Well, you know, obviously the basketball teams are kind of in that Big Ten portion of the season. Wins are hard to come by, uh, you know, on the road. So you've got, you know, you've you've got to you've got to win your home games, and um, you know, both of them are still sitting. Um, in a in a pretty good spot uh, as far as the conference goes. But uh, I think a lot of people are still waiting for – I mean, you know, the men's team beat Purdue, so they've got a signature win. I But I still think people are waiting for them to put everything together. So, you know, I, I think it's – Husker fans are going to want to pay attention to basketball here over the course of the next few weeks. Um, and then uh, – you know, honestly, I've kind of lost touch with the women's team. I haven't watched or paid attention much recently. I'm going to have to get back and and watch them a little bit. So, but that's about all we really got going on. Um, yep. You know, I got a uh, today. I got a, a a I got an email from Indiana's athletic department, and it says uh, baseball is planning planning to practice outdoors on Friday, January 26th. Wow. So they're, yeah, from 1 to 5 p.m., media can arrive and watch from 3.30 to 5 with plans to talk to Coach Mercer and players afterwards. So, you know, baseball's coming up. Baseball Fan Day, Nebraska's Fan Day is coming up. February 2nd. 
February 2nd. So, you know, get in, get interested in the baseball team because, you know, Haymarket's a great place to go watch uh, baseball and it's, it's fun. You know, that's the, John, I told, I told fun. everyone it was one of the nights that you weren't, weren't able to make it. Um, we are going to pull together, you know, a gathering. Right. Um, and I think we're going to try really hard to make it work when uh, Iowa plays in Lincoln and um, have a tailgate, hopefully on that Saturday of that weekend series. And we'll get information out. We'd love to see you guys. You know, even even if you don't want to go to the ball game, uh, come to Lincoln and hang out with us, you know, in front of the game. We'll, we'll have some stuff to eat and some stuff to drink. And we'd love to have an opportunity to meet you face to face and chat a little bit. Um, we could all argue in person. Yeah. We, yeah you betcha. You I betcha. Yell at everybody. Uh, Clay Casselder <laughs> says, John, do you sell those night robes on the site? Uh, you know, not yet, but I'm, I'm, I'm looking into stuff. That's what I'm doing. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, Fred Sacco says media can arrive. So why did they email you, John? Hey buddy. Ooh. Oh yeah. You do it. What are you doing there? What are you doing? Uh, uh, wait, wait, I missed it. Tiger Shark driver, Diver says, I told my ex we could make it work. I have no idea what that's about. I think that's in reference to the, uh, well, I don't know what that is in reference to. Maybe that's to, to come and, and see us during the, uh, the, the coronation tailgate. Linda Wilkins says, good night, John and Todd. Great show tonight. Thank you, Linda. Uh, John, don't slip on the dock jumping in. That's the thing about this. I don't know. You know what? Here's the thing. If you're on YouTube, I will post a community post. The show give you a link if you want to donate. The donations go to the Minnesota Special Olympics. Uh, I'm trying to meet my goal of $500. I don't think we're, we're as active this year. It's, it's not been a great morale year for the people I work with, I think, and it's just been difficult to get everybody going and I shouldn't include that. They'll probably go, what the hell are you doing, John? But uh, don't slip on the dock jumping in. Yeah, I don't know what we're going to do. I suppose I, I hope that uh, somebody brings a camera and we can get a video of me probably shrieking, shrieking like a you know little boy as my nans <laughs> disappear into the ether. Okay. Do we have anything else? I I think we've uh, stretched it as far as we can possibly stretch it. I am going to try to get uh, we we we're trying to get some guests coming up. Uh, I'm going to try to get a friend of mine from Ohio State to come in and explain what the hell is going on at Ohio State, just because I want him to answer that whole uh, we're going to be good no matter who the coach is and why they want Ryan Day fired. So at least we can, you know, if nothing else, we can have some shows where we make fun of other fan bases because, you know, with a person representing them, because that would be fun. Okay. Good night, Todd. Good night, John. <laughs>